here talking about the counselor and uh, next week we begin a brand new series as we look at um, just we're going to be teaching through uh, a book in the Bible but we're going to be helping you develop some small things in your life that end up making a big big difference and so it's going to be a great series for, to have that person you've been thinking about saying you know what I really wish they would be here with me because there's some things that could really help change their life. This is a great series for that coming up starting next week. This morning, let me tell you a little bit about myself. I know for me, when I am at my best, when I am operating on all eight cylinders, I, I, I love people with my voice. I love people with my actions, so you could kind of say I love people out loud because it all works together, but sometimes, sometimes I'm not at my best. Sometimes I just love myself, and when it is a self-type love, then I say things with my mouth, I say loving things with my mouth, but I don't back it up with actions. And that makes my love, a, at that moment, a love of convenience. A love that says, I need something, so I'll say what I need to say. It's kind of a fleeting love. It's a selfish love. It's not really, if you look at it, it's really not love at all by definition of love. It has big claims, but it doesn't have the behavior to back it up. It's big claims and casual behavior. Sometimes I want to love big, I, I want to and I intend to, but then I get overcome with selfishness in that moment and I find myself, I, I just blow it. Instead of really loving big or loving people around me, I actually end up saying that, but then I end up loving myself. I... I when that happens, I, I don't like that. That makes me sad when I'm in those moments of my life. Maybe you can relate to that. Maybe you have said, I love you to somebody, and then you blew it with your actions. Maybe you have said, I will be there for you, and then one day, one day you weren't. Maybe you have had good intentions, but you've overpromised and you've underdelivered on your love. Most of us have moments where we do that. We have good intentions with our love, but it just is poorly executed. We do it with most of our relationships at times. But worst of all, and I think if we were to be honest, most frequent of all, we do this with God. Let me give you some background of where we're going to be looking in God's Word today. So Jesus chose 12 men to be the closest to him, to follow him most closely. And in that process, he was training and teaching and preparing them to do something very special. Because when the day would come, because he, when his ministry began, it was a three-year march, really, toward the cross... And so he did that, and he died on the cross. Then three days later, as predicted by Scripture, and Jesus himself, he rose again three days later. And this is where we pick it up, this story after the story. The resurrection has happened. So the death on the cross already happened. 
Jesus rose again three days later. That happened. But Jesus is no longer there all day long, every day, with the disciples. And here is where we pick up the story. You see, Jesus had ministered to, loved, healed tens of thousands of people. And the disciples were right there with him for that the whole time. And they had purpose. And they had a job to do. And Jesus was directing the whole thing. And now they find themselves without Jesus. John chapter 21 is where we're going to pick it up in verse 1. It says, later Jesus appeared again to the disciples beside the Sea of Galilee. And what's getting ready to happen is we're going to, he's, John is going to tell us this story of how Jesus showed up. But it's kind of interesting, this word appeared. Um, see, Jesus has resurrected. He did not resurrect as a ghost or as a spirit. He resurrected with a physical body living, breathing again. And I know this is kind of weird. The Bible says he just appeared, and the Bible tells us that he appeared many times, and he just appeared somehow in this new resurrection body that Jesus has that is a real physical body. It has some kind of dimension that we are not familiar with because the Bible tells us how Jesus just appeared behind locked doors, and he was just there. Weird, I know. I mean, we can't understand that. It's a dimension we don't live in that somehow he is experiencing with a real physical body. But I do believe it's kind of this glorified body that Paul talks about in the New Testament. Kind of like the body we will have one day after resurrection. I know that's all weird. There's not a lot there about that. So we're not going to focus on that. I just mentioned that in passing. It's kind of strange and bizarre, this world we don't understand. But somehow Jesus just appears. Now John goes on to tell this story of what happens. So he tells us what happens before Jesus just appeared here. And he says, this is how it happened. Verse 2. Several of the disciples were there. Simon Peter, Thomas nicknamed the twin, Nathaniel from Cana and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others, John mentions. Verse 3. Simon Peter said, ah, I, I'm going fishing. The other said, we'll come too, they said. And it's interesting to me what's happening here because they seem, the disciples in this moment, they seem so purposeless, so jobless, so bewildered. They just don't know what to do next. So they kind of go back to their old routine, what they knew before Jesus, which was fishing. You know, it's almost as if, you know, they're saying we had our chance. You know, Jesus was here and we were with him and it was an amazing three-year journey. And he died on the cross and he rose again. That is amazing, but he's not here now. We're not sure. I mean, that was then. This is now. We don't know. Let's just go fishing. I mean, we had our chance. It was amazing. We could have changed the world, but it's all over now. I mean, it's just not the same I mean, he gave us a chance. We tried. We did our best. It's kind of too late for us now. Let's just go back to what we knew. Let's go fishing. The Bible says, so they went out in the boat, but they caught nothing all night. So it kind of looks like, too, their best days as disciples were behind them, maybe. And their best days as fishermen, well, that's kind of behind them, too. They didn't catch anything all night long. Verse 4, at dawn, 
Jesus was standing on the beach. So he just kind of shows up. There he is. But the disciples couldn't see who he was. Now, we're not sure. It's possible that the boat was just too far for them to recognize who Jesus was. That's possible. But because of some other times previously that Jesus showed up, they didn't recognize who Jesus was, which is interesting. Do you remember the story where Jesus tells Thomas, hey, look, look at my, look at my wrist. You see, that's where the nail was. See, it really is me. Look at, look at my side. That's where the spear went in. Do you see that? It really is me. It's kind of interesting how Jesus had to tell them, look, it really is me. Do you know why possibly they weren't physically recognizing this man that they had spent three years with, following day and night. The Bible tells us that Jesus bore the scars. That's why he could show, see, here's where the nail was as he would point to his arm. That's where it was. They could see the scar. It was there. His body, though somehow this glorified, amazing body, but it bore the scars of this experience of the crucifixion. His body was scarred. And maybe they weren't recognizing his face because, you know, I'm just, the Bible tells us how Jesus was beaten beyond recognition. His body was so abused and so obliterated. And while it was Jesus, they couldn't see the man here, possibly from the scars and the horrible, horrible experience he had just had. He had to show, look, here's where the nail went in. Look at this scar. These scars, I'll never be the same. They're your scars and they're my scars. But look at these scars. These are the ones you'll recognize. We're not sure why they didn't recognize him in that moment, but there he was. He appeared. There he was. He was standing on the beach at dawn, standing on the beach, but the disciples couldn't see who he was. Verse 5, he called out, Fellas, have you caught any fish? I could kind of see maybe just a smirk coming over the face of Jesus as they grumbled, No! I can imagine them thinking, Who is this obnoxious stranger? We've been fishing all night and we haven't caught anything. It's none of his business. He's trying to make fun of us. Jerk. Then he said, I can imagine him kind of smiling, Throw out your net on the right side. You'll get some. So they did. And then they couldn't haul in the net because there were so many fish in it. And I can just imagine this happening. They are putting things together. Wait a minute. This sounds all too familiar. This is how it happened before. That's no stranger. Verse 7, then the disciple Jesus loved, that's John, self-proclaimed there. He said, Peter, it's the Lord. And when Simon Peter heard that, 
When he heard it was the Lord, he put on his tunic, for he stripped for work. Thanks for getting dressed. He jumped into the water. He headed to shore immediately. He was like, forget this fishing stuff, guys. There's Jesus. That's where I'm going. Verse 8. The others, they were a little more responsible. They stayed behind the boat, and they pulled in the loaded net for shore because we can't waste all these fish. Mom said there's hungry kids all the way over in America. Don't throw out the fish. They were only about 100 yards from shore. Verse 9, when they got there, they found breakfast waiting for them. Fish cooking over a charcoal fire and some bread. And here was Jesus taking care of his wandering, jobless, purposeless disciples, almost as if to say, sit down, fellas, you've been working all night. You've been working, you're tired, you're hungry. Look, I'm, I made breakfast for you. In verse 10, he says, hey, bring some of those fish you just caught, Jesus said. So he threw some more fish on the fire. Verse 11, so Simon Peter, he went aboard, he dragged the fish, the net to shore. There was 153 large fish. And then John notes, and yet the net did not break. It was not torn. Verse 12. Jesus says this, now, come and have some breakfast. The Bible says here, none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Scars and all, they knew it was Jesus. Verse 13, then Jesus served them bread and fish. Jesus, the perpetual servant, the king, our creator, serving, lovingly serving the created. And then John reminds us in verse 14, this was the third time Jesus had appeared to his disciples since he had been raised from the dead. After breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, here's the question from the counselor this week, Simon, Son of John, do you love me more than these? That's what he asked. It's as if Jesus is looking at, at Peter, and he's saying, Peter, do you love me more than these guys love me? Do you love me more than they love me? I, I know you've been telling me you love me. Do you love me more than they have been telling me that they love me? How much do you love me, Peter? Do you love me more than they do? Do you love me more? Peter, do you love me more than these? Peter, do you love me more than you love these guys, your friends? the guys you have spent day and night with for three years, serving beside them, sweating beside them, bleeding beside them. You've been together through hurts and happiness, good times and bad times. Peter, do you love me more than you love these guys around you, your friends? Peter, do you love me more than these? And I think God, Jesus looks at you and he looks at me and he says, do you love me? 
Do you love me more than these? Do you love me more than you love your friends? Jesus, looking at you and looking at me saying, do you love me more than you love your parents, more than you love your family, more than you love your spouse, more than you love your boyfriend, your girlfriend, more than you love the people in your life? Do you love me more? Do you love me more than you love your children? Do you love me more than these? Jesus could ask us as well. Do you love me more than these? It's as if he was looking at Peter and saying, Peter, do you love me more than these these things around you. I mean, you have accumulated your career of fishing and you have these things you have gathered, your tools, your, these things. Do you love me more than your nets and your fishing poles and your lines and lures and your boat? Do you love me more than these things for your career, for your life? Do you love me more than these, Peter? He can look at us and say the same thing. Do you do you love me more than these? These things you've worked so hard to accumulate. There's nothing wrong with those things, but do you love me more than you love those things? Do you love me more than you love that car you drove here in today? Do you love me more than the house you're going to go back to? Do you love me more than those trips, those things you've gathered in your life. There's nothing wrong with those things, but do you love me more than these, these things? He's looking at Peter and saying, Peter, do you, do you really love me more, more than these, whatever these may be. Do you love me more? I want to pause for just a moment in the message. I want to invite my friend Dee to come up and she's going to share with us. She's on her way up right now. She's going to tell us a little bit about her story, some of her perspective from her life. She's going to share that with you. We're going to ask her to do that. All right, Miss D. This is Miss D. I work with Miss D out at the station some yeah. too. Yeah. So, Miss D, why don't you share with us some of your life experience, maybe some things that have caused you some to be overwhelmed at times or to struggle through at times? Just share with us any of that. Well, like I said earlier, I've gone through many different things in my life and uh, I've seen a lot of things but I know I'm still young and and you have to be patient because God is not through with me yet so um, I understand that, um, that there's going to be mountains and there's going to be valleys and um, we don't never want to go through the valley times but I've learned in my valley times from you know watching my mom uh, my, my mom and dad divorced when I was 12, and I felt like I had gone through an abandonment situation because yeah. I was hurt, deeply hurt. I remember when he even called all the family together. I was the only one that couldn't sit in the room when he told us. Wow. So, um, you know, losing a dad, you know, a family unit is very important because there are some things that a mother 
can do and there are some things that you need your father for. So with him being missing in action, it allowed, it made the children and myself make other decisions. Yeah. And they weren't always the, the right decisions. Yeah. You know. So you struggled with that fact that he wasn't there. Right. And, yeah. Because had he been there, a lot of things hadn't, wouldn't have happened. There have been some other decisions and some other, other choices. Yes. So, and you shared this morning that your mom said that of all the kids in your family, that that particular thing struck you a little more deeply. Yes. Yeah. I, I went through a depression, you know, as a young child, you know, because it was just hard watching a mom with uh, six kids you know, or being on welfare and then having to get out there to go into the workforce. And my oldest sister really had to raise us. Yeah. She was more like my mom. Uh-huh. And, of course, we had to do what she said to do. Sure. And so, and being on the basketball team and being one of the stars on the basketball team but didn't have the tennis shoes to start. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, but I, cause I knew what she could and couldn't do. But God always made a way that whenever that we had a game, somebody didn't show up. Oh, wow. So you had some <laughs> shoes. I had shoes. Oh, There man. were times when the shoes were too big and I flip-flopped all over the place uh-huh. on the court. Yeah. But I was able to play the game. Yeah. And there were times when the shoes were too tight. But somebody was always absent wow. to where I was able to complete that task. Wow. So I knew even at a young age... That that had to be God. Yeah. Because yeah. I love God at a young age. Uh-huh. I now, had a passion for him. You mentioned this morning that through some of that experience that you you began to view God's word differently. Yes, I went through a period of um, of believing. And then I went through another period where I didn't believe because I didn't understand. Yeah. But then I got back on track. The word that his the way he revealed himself to me that I knew that that nobody know but him. Okay. There are some things that you that you know yeah. no one know but God. So it got real personal. Very yeah. personal. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I like this morning how you mentioned too that um, you know you were raised in a family that loved God yes. and pursued God, but there came a moment in all of this that you had to say that's not my mom's way or mm-hmm. my mom's faith that's this is me and my faith and yes this this has to change me yes we were in church for on every time the door is open yeah that we were just sick of church <laughs> you know we were just tired of shutting in uh-huh. all night long yeah. or we were just tired of praying yeah especially when you're young you don't see anything but then as you continue to grow, uh-huh. I, re- I still can remember all the scriptures, the times when we had to get up and compete with Bible drills. All of that has come back to me. And it makes me think of when they say train up a child mm-hmm. in the way that he should go. And when he is old, it will not depart from him. Yeah. I deterred. Yes, uh-huh. I did. I mean, I went to clubs, to, to yeah. the pretty leg contest uh-huh. at PJ's. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they had all kind of stuff there. 
It's a pretty leg contest. Remember PJs? Yes. Um, but when you're in the club, we couldn't enjoy ourselves. Yeah. Because all I can hear is my mom in my ear. You know God don't like ugly. You're known by the company that you're keep. Uh-huh. That night air gonna kill you. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, uh-huh. we eventually got back on yeah. track. And um, but the thing is, I got in and learned a word for myself. Yeah. So that I will have the the interpretation for me. It wasn't something you had been told anymore. It wasn't something you no. just saw. It was God telling you, "Here's this is my word. This is this is me. This is for mm-hmm. you." Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Very cool. Well, tell us some more about your journey. Okay, I told earlier about uh, a little old man that I worked with. His name was Herman Dopel. Do- Mr. Dopel. Yes, and I'm sure you all know he's married to Miss Carolyn. Miss Dopel. Yeah, Mrs. Dobo. <laughs> <laughs> and so um, I was eight months pregnant, and, you know, I was just tired of people. And you were working at the station. I was working at the Rice Research Station, where I'm still working at. And that when I was eight months pregnant, I was sick. I was just sick of looking at people, you know. <laughs> but you still have to put on a face like you just love everybody. You know how it is. You smile when you don't even have anything to smile about. Yeah. And then I was eight months pregnant. He would always come up to the front office and just talk to me. And, you know, it's like, hurry up and leave and just leave me alone. <laughs> you know, but then one day, you know, I was traveling down the road in my car and I had a blowout. And lo and behold, the person coming in the opposite direction was Mr. Dopel. And I felt so good. And he saw me and he took me to the tire store and waited on me. And then after that, we went for a ride. Now, here we are on station's time. He took me for a ride down to co-op, and they were having uh, hot dogs and uh, drinks. Yeah. And he went and got three other white guys, three older white guys. They were like in their 60s or 70s, and they came over to look at me in the car. Like I was just, who is this woman that you're with? How can we get one just like her? We want one of our we own. We want one too, you Mr. Dopel. Yeah, so. He was dope. Yeah, he was dope. He was very dope. And then he wanted to take me to his wife's job. And it's like, man, you better get me back. You are not going to get me beat up. You know, and so my son was born and people would joke that it, that it was his baby. Just from that one encounter. He had you all over town. He had me all over town. So, you know, uh, well, if you and, make it to the co-op, it's all over town. <laughs> so, you know, and we still joke about child support and, and all that stuff. <laughs> He's behind, He's isn't he? He's very behind. <laughs> oh, me. Well, what did, uh, through that experience, what did God teach you about people? Well, you know, um, you have to love people, and there is no law against such. Yeah. And people go through different things. People are at, at different levels of their life and uh, in their lives. And so, um, you know, as I got into the word and started walking in the truth and knowing what the truth was, and it wasn't my mama's way or my neighbor's way, it was God's way. Yeah. And sometimes God will assign you a task and that you don't want to do, but I realized that he put favor on me to to carry that out. So um, I just wanted to say that, you know, there's a joy that God would give you yeah. that's so unspeakable that you can't even talk about it. 
is not the way how the world will give it, but the way how he gives it. When you know you don't have anything to be happy about when it comes to your finances, when it comes to a rebellious child or just whatever that you may encounter. Um, So, like I said, you know, I, I do know that God is real. I went through a period and sometimes I still go and wonder if he's real or not. But every time I think about, is he real? God always shows up mm-hmm. and he shows out. Yeah. Yes, yeah. he does. Yeah. And so, he makes it clear. And he makes it clear. Not necessarily when we're asking for it, but it's going to happen. Yes. Yeah. So I realized that I just need to be in a position yeah. to receive whenever he. Yeah. Well, tell me about, um, tell me about how, um, uh, Mr. Let's go back to Mr. Dopel. Okay. Affectionately known as Mr. Dupel in yeah. first service. Mr. Dopel um, had kind of uh, at times gotten on your last nerve, and you had kind of prejudged this is yeah. what he's like and this is what it's like. And um, as you went through that experience, especially that day with the tire and Mr. Mm-hmm. Dopel's reaction and... Um, uh, God kind of met that need yes. through a person and in a way that you weren't expecting. Right. And tell us how that changed your perspective of seeing other people too. Well, I just want to say you just have to be careful how you judge people, no matter what their race or what they're wearing or where they come from. You don't know how God is using that person because yeah. I know he have to just like Satan have to have a body. Yeah. I know that God has to have a body too, yeah. but we are prejudge him. And then we will miss out on a blessing. Even if he don't get a chance to help, that person may not get a chance to help you. It may be your grandchild. It may be your own child. That person may be a loan officer that give your child a loan when you're not able to give them money. So, you know, know. you just never know about entertaining strangers unaware. And you don't know if maybe, you know, if you prejudge them and you and you go ahead and mark them out of your life. It could have been a a, a great blessing. It'd been your loss. Uh And so when I talked to Mr. Dopa, what could I do to repay him for what he did Uh for me? He said, don't he said, what I want you to do. You go out and you find somebody and you do the same thing that I did for you. And that's how we can keep this going. What awesome. a wonderful world that this would He's be. He's a good man. You know, because if you asked me that, I would have said, I want you to name the baby after me. <laughs> <laughs> He's a good man. I don't think Jared would have liked <laughs> Herman <laughs> being called Herman. Herman. Oh, we could have just stuck with Hermie, but I, <laughs> but I, I do, I love the fact that God taught you a lesson, yes. eight months pregnant, that, you know what, um, don't prejudge because you never know what someone might bring into your life or what you might bring into theirs. Exactly. And then Mr. Dopel saying, you know what, let's just pay this forward. Yes, pay yeah. it forward. That's, That's great. Cool. That's, That's great. awesome. 
Well, as we wrap this up, just one word you might have for our friends and family here to say, here's one thing I just want you to know about life. And it may be a restatement of what we've already said, or it may be completely off topic on something else. What, what's one thing you want to leave with our family? I just want to say, just always uh, be in position. You know, don't worry about uh, where you are or if you feel like you're in a, a sense of captivity because God will even bless you even when you're in captivity, when you feel like you're bound in bondage. Um, just know who you are, you know, and, and Joseph, Namal proved that to us. You know, he was second in command. So always just know who you are and, and do not allow other people to dictate you because when they define you, it's a, you're, make, you're, you're allowing them to define who you are without putting yourself out there to do it yourself. So just know who you are. I've, I've got to jump onto that with you because what I just heard you say, and I, and I like it, is that um, there may be some way that you are still, someone is still in bondage. Yes. Like Joseph was, even when he became second in command, he was still in bondage. In bondage. Mm -hmm. You know, that's a great perspective that... Even in bondage, God can do some great things. Great and he things. Want, and, and still yet, he set Joseph free. Yes. Um, but there was still some bondage there. He didn't completely remove him. Mm -hmm. And I don't know. There's some things that maybe you're going through in your life that maybe you may drag some of that with you through yeah. your life. Mm -hmm. But there can still be an amazing victory yes. among that. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. Misty, thanks for sharing. Thank I want to you. pray for you. Okay. Let's pray. God, thank you so much that we can trust you. Thank you that we can uh, take our hurts and our uncertainties and our questions. And God, we can lay those at your feet knowing that somehow, some way, you can redeem those things and turn them into something else, something beyond what we have already experienced. You'll take the hurt. You can take the bondage. You can take uh, things that people have done to us. You can take things that we have done to others even and somehow redeem those and change those. God, you are a God of second chances, and I'm so grateful for that. And we just are thankful for the story that you are creating in the life of D. And there are many more to come. Thank you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Jesus asked Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Peter replied, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus told him, then feed my lambs. Jesus repeated the question, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Then take care of my sheep, Jesus said. A third time he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt that Jesus asked the question a third time. He said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus then said, feed my sheep. You see, it was just days before. 
Peter standing with Jesus and Peter declaring, even Jesus, even if everyone else around you denies you, I will never desert you. I won't leave. I won't deny. And then that very night, Peter afraid, Peter lonely, Peter seeing his life caving in around him because Jesus was on trial and Peter was watching it all. Jesus was heading toward the cross. But Peter was also on trial. He just didn't know it. In that moment of fear, Peter, three times that night, he rejected Jesus. Any association that he had with Jesus. He lied. He turned his back on Jesus. He called down curses upon Jesus and curse, uh, curses upon himself. And that very moment that night, three times he denied Jesus right before Jesus was going to be headed toward the cross. He failed his test that night. But now, on this night, days later, God is not done with him. God has not given up on Peter. Three times, Peter was given a chance to profess his love publicly for God. Three times. It's as if Jesus is looking at Peter and saying, Okay, Peter, this is your chance. I'm going to restore you. I'm going to redeem that other night. I'm going to give you another chance. Peter, this is your chance. Do you love me? You do? I knew it. Now go and live that love out loud. Go and live that love among these people that I have placed in your life. If you love me, Peter, do you really love me? If you love me, do something about it. Love others. Guide them to me. Peter, you're not too late. We both know you blew it the other night. But you're not too late. Peter, do you really love me? And I believe he looks at you and he's looking at me and he's saying, you are not too late. If you really love him, then lead other people toward him. I believe he looks at you and he looks at me. My friends, do you love me? If you do, then take care of all of these people I've placed in your life. Lead these people toward me, he would say. My friends, I have failed God. I have failed God in so many ways. I, I have failed people. I deserve for my life, my journey, I deserve for it to be over, for it to be done, for it to be finished. I deserve for my life to be done. But God has redeemed my past. God is not finished with me. He's not done. 
I, I still have today. I don't know if I'm going to have tomorrow, but I know that I have right now. I know I have today my opportunity, this moment, to point people toward the cross, to lead people toward Jesus. And my friends, no matter the hurt that you have had in your past, no matter if you feel like you are too late, it, that doesn't matter because you're not too late. You are not too late to escort people to the cross. No matter your failures, no matter your hurts, you're not too late to show God that you really love Him. Do you love me, He says? Feed my sheep. I believe that God is ready to redeem your past and to send you out of these doors today to love the people that are in your life and the people that are around your life by leading them toward Jesus. And the fact is, that's what you're doing. I mean, you're making this place very difficult to squeeze into. Why? Because that's what you're doing. And we are committed as a church to squeeze into the places wherever we are as much as we need to squeeze. We're going to squeeze because God has said, I have redeemed your past and I'm sending you out to love the people around you and for you to point them towards Jesus. And so we squeeze into this room. Many different backgrounds we were raised in different ways, taught different things, but we're squeezing into this room to worship Jesus, to say, Jesus, I love you, and then for him to send us out and to love the people around us. No matter how tight it gets in here, we will keep loving people toward Jesus because we love him. And you, my friend, are not too late. You're not too late. You're not too late to lead other people toward Him. You're not too late to show God that you love Him when He says, Do you love me? You're not too late. There's pe there, there are people around you every single day that are needing you to point them, to walk them, to escort them towards the cross of Jesus. And my hope is that we will leave here living our love for Jesus. You are not too late. Let's pray. God, we have failures. God, in this room, we have hurts. But just like you redeemed the failures of Peter, God, you can redeem ours. We are not too late. And Jesus, as you ask us if we love you, many of our hearts resound with the answer, yes. And we are choosing to live our love for you by leading other people towards you.
Thank you for giving us a second chance. In the name of Jesus, our Savior, we pray. Amen.